0: Our Bible reading this morning comes from Jonah chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish, to flee from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Aaron, welcome. We look forward to what you have to share with us this morning. Well, thank you for having me today. It is uh, it is great to be here. It's always lovely to uh, fellowship with another congregation, another body of, of, of Christ. Have you ever had any plans go astray? you ever had anything where you plan to do one thing and then all of a sudden that has just not happened. We've all been there, haven't we? Well, a few years ago, just eight months after we'd moved into our brand new house, we were at church one Sunday. We were going to go out to a friend's house for lunch. so We quickly ducked home, put a load of washing on, changed into more comfortable clothes and went and visited some friends and so we had a lovely four hours or so of a long lunch with some friends and as we came home, we sort of headed into uh, from the garage into the house and my wife said, why is the floor wet in the garage? Well, our top load washing machine had malfunctioned and had just been filling up on full bore for four hours. There was an inch of water covering every single floor surface in the entire house this was devastating we were slipping and sliding all over everywhere trying to work out what we do i turned the taps off and was like there is just so much water what on earth are we going to do so called the company you know, our insurance company and they were no help to us they said i'm sorry it's a sunday we don't have anyone available just find someone thank you that's what you pay insurance for i'm sure and uh, so we we did that the the kids you know they were you know slipping over so often that we said just try and find somewhere dry to play so they did the shower and uh, long story short after ripping everything out um, we had to stay in a caravan park for just shy of three months there's a fifty thousand dollar bill to fix it all up which the insurance paid which was very nice of them because um, I had to, re- you know, new flooring, new skirts, new doors, new arcs, you, you name it. It was all had to be replaced. Um, and so, yeah, it was quite a big job for a, a, a service on a washing machine that cost $80 to fix the problem, caused $50,000 damage. That's just one example of how your plans might change, you know, Not, let alone the fact that I was six weeks into a new job and all that sort of stuff at the time too. I also remember one time where, um, you know, plans change circumstances outside of your control. I-, I was working as a retail buyer in Hobart, and one of my um, colleagues came into work one Monday morning, and the boss went up to him and said, Go home, pack your bags, grab your passport, you're off to China for a week. Regardless of what plans he had, he was now in China that whole next week and uh, changed his plans considerably. I'm sure we've all had things come up that have changed our plans and well Jonah he had a very interesting encounter that changed his plans considerably in chapter one as Jan read the word of the Lord came to Jonas and tell, told him to go to Nineveh and to call out against it because God had come across their evil and he was going to do something about it good start eh that's a a great start you know I've heard they're evil I want you to go and do something and so what God was doing was asking Jonah to travel from where he was some 500 miles to the greatest city of the then known world Nineveh and this pagan city was known for its grandeur and degeneracy At this time it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire lying on the east side of the Tigris River. This great city had 1,200 towers each 200 feet high and its walls were 100 feet high and of such breadth that three chariots could drive on top of the wall abreast. This was a big city. It was 60 miles in circumference and could within the walls of the city grow enough corn for its population, which has been estimated to be some 600,000 people. In the city was a magnificent palace with courts and walls covering more than 100 acres. Its gates were guarded by huge lions and bulls sculpted in stone. Its doors were of ebony and cypress, encrust- encrusted with iron, silver, and ivory hanging gardens were filled with rich plants and rare animals and God said to Jonah arise go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me now when you or I are given tasks that change our plans we we usually go along with the flow don't we you know we usually make do when disaster strikes we make do when our boss tells us that we're doing something different and most of us would say and I'd I'd be pretty sure here that and we'd be faithful to follow what God calls us to do but what does Jonah do he flees verse 3 Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish and from the presence of the Lord he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare went on board to go with them to tarshish away from the presence of the lord and that's quite drastic isn't it it's a very drastic response now for you or i if if we were to flee something it would be because of impending danger or harm like a a tree falling on us or an angry emu chasing us or, or a crazy out of control car but jonah flees from god and we're told this twice just in one verse now If you're reading your scriptures you know that you never see exclamation points do you you don't see bold and underlines do you what the writers of the scriptures use to make emphasis of points is repetition if you read the same thing it's repeated several times you know that this is a really important point that the writer is trying to make and so we hear twice he flees away from the presence of the Lord but even more importantly three times at least that he actually flees to Tarshish so where was Tarshish well if Jonah was here God asked him to go 500 miles to Nineveh right? Tarshish is this way to the very edge of the then known world he could not have literally gone any further away from where God wanted him to be than where he ended up or wanted to go to Tarshish there was no place further in the opposite direction to Nineveh than where Jonah said that's where I'm going that's pretty drastic isn't it verse 4 of chapter 1 the Lord held a great wind upon the sea there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his god they held cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load but jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep i find this pretty interesting that these sailors were more spiritual than jonah because these sailors were praying And they're hurling cargo overboard they are acting in their best interest to try and save their lives and they're terrified and they're calling out to their gods and here jonah is sleeping so the captain of the ship said to him in verse 6 what do you mean you sleeper arise call out to your god perhaps the gods will give us a thought that we may not perish and they said to one another come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? In verse 9, Jonah replied, He said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land so here these sailors are fearing for their lives praying for mercy finding out that Jonah is their problem and indeed God is causing the problems because of Jonah's disobedience so they row hard to try to get to shore they try everything in their power to save jonah's life but to no avail and jonah tells them to throw him overboard and so these sailors pray to god to grant them mercy for throwing jonah into the sea and once they have the storm subsides they fear the lord they offer sacrifices and make vows they make commitments to god and as we learn in sunday school Jonah then spends the next 72 hours or three days in the belly of a great fish. In chapter 2, we read there a prayer of Jonah of sincere repentance. He recounts his near-death experience of almost drowning in the sea and how God saved his life and now gives thanks to God and commits to doing God's will. In verse 10 it says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out of Upon the dry land. I'm sure he would have smelt like a peach or not. In parallel to chapter 1, chapter 3 begins in the same way, highlighting the contrast between Jonah's initial unfaithful response to flee and what he does now. Verse 1, chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it the message that I tell you so Jonah rose and went to Nineveh good on him according to the word of the Lord and Nineveh was an exceedingly great city three days journey in breadth Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey so not even the full way in and starts calling out yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown So he walks into the city and he proclaims their impending doom. And he actually uses the same Hebrew word here that describes the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's basically heralding a message that they would be destroyed in forty days, like Sodom and Gomorrah. And very importantly, Jonah actually wants them to be destroyed. You see, he does not call them to repent, no. He just tells them they're gonna be destroyed. It's almost like he's bragging God's told me sucked in you are going to be destroyed yes that's that's basically the heart that he has towards these Ninevites look at the response though the Nineveh in verse 5 the people of Nineveh believed God they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands who knows god may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish they believe the word of god and they repent after just one day of jonah preaching about their impending doom the people humble themselves and they repent and this was city-wide repentance from the king to the beggar this whole great city repented this city which alone held more if you want to compare than the entire population of tasmania repented in one day and upon seeing their response god relented and spared the city of nineveh now after this you'd think that jonah would be pretty happy right he proclaimed the message of impending destruction they listened to him and they repented as a preacher I wish I could be as effective as Jonah was with every message that I preach because Jonah had completed the job of a prophet with unheralded results you'd have to say that it'd be a job well done wouldn't you but not so for Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry If you look at the actual original Hebrew of that passage, it actually says that Jonah considered this evil. It was exceedingly evil to Jonah is the literal translation there. It displeased Jonah, so he was angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I've made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are gracious and merciful God you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster see Jonah's heart was that he still wanted Nineveh to be destroyed he did not want God to be gracious to them to be merciful towards them to display his love and relent from bringing disaster upon them and so Jonah in a rather drastic move he actually asked God to kill him because to him death was a better option than living if God was going to spare Nineveh. That's, I think, quite drastic. He then goes out to the city, to the mountains, and he makes camp so that he can wait to see God destroy the city, which he still hopes will occur. And this is the first clue after Jonah's initial repentance and trip to Nineveh that his heart was not right with God see one can do the will of God without doing it with the right attitude let me say that again you can do the will of God without the right attitude and that's the focus of the remainder of the book see in verse 6 the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant so God makes this plant grow in a night which shades Jonah from the intense Mesopotamian sun and this is the only time in the whole book of Jonah that we read that Jonah was happy and why was he happy why was he glad because he was physically comfortable he wasn't happy because he'd been effective in what God had called him to do no He was happy because he was comfortable. Verse 7 When dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. He loves this idea of dying, doesn't he? Because he's not happy. But interesting to note throughout this book God appointed the great wind the storm on the sea he appointed the fish he appointed the plant and the worm and this great heat before Jonah asked God to kill him because he wasn't happy with God's will and now he again asked God to kill him because he isn't happy with his circumstances all of which were God's doing how often is that us? God sends challenging circumstances our way and it all gets too much and we look for relief in how we can change our circumstances to be comfortable yet God is taking us through these challenges for his plans and his purposes maybe we need to look up from our circumstances and Try to see the hand of God at work in our lives, to see what He is appointing in our lives when we go through these challenging circumstances. And so now, in both in Jonah's anger at the plant's demise and during his anger over God's sparing of the Ninevites, God questions his anger. And this is, in fact, the climax of the book when God challenges Jonah to recognise how wrong he has been in his bitter nationalism. You see, he was a proud Israelite, a member of the chosen nation of God and that directly contrasts with how right God has been to show his compassion towards the plight of the Assyrians in Nineveh. And so through through verses 10 and 11, God reveals to Jonah how out of harmony with his own heart the prophet, though obedient, was. God contrasts Jonah's attitude with his own. Verse 10, And the Lord said, You pitied the plant for which you did not labour, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left innocence and also much cattle you see Jonah's heart was for the plant God's heart was for the people and that's where the book ends God asking a question and we're not told of Jonah's response and in a large part it doesn't matter how Jonah responds what matters is our response and our heart you see the book of Jonah is pretty much a commentary on the failings of the nation of Israel you may as well white out the word Jonah and just replace it with Israel um, that, that basically is why this book is in the Bible in genesis 12 when god made a covenant with abraham god shows us his amazing nature his inclusive will his missionary heart so he would make abraham into a great nation would bless that nation so that nation would be a blessing and that in that nation all families of the earth shall be blessed that's the covenant god made with abraham blessed to be a blessing And Isaiah 42 verse 6 says, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness, I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. Israel was to be a light to the nations. Their very existence was to point people to God. Their existence, their reason was to make God known among the nations and we can think of examples where they came gloriously close particularly if you think of the queen of sheba under solomon's reign it's the closest they came god had risen up israel to be a light to the gentiles a missionary nation yet they had grown insular and proud and the book of jonah was to remind israel of her missionary purpose and of god's missionary heart The book of Jonah is a solid illustration of how Israel had failed to respond to their calling. So how are we going at responding to God's calling in our lives? Have we become insular and proud or are we being a light to the nations? Are we happy with everything the way it is because we're comfortable? Or does God have something in store for us that will change our plans are we prepared to listen to the call of God and respond with a heart willing to align with God's are we prepared to step out of our comfort zones for God you see we can easily respond like Jonah we can flee we can run in the opposite direction we can ignore God and his calling or another response like Jonah would be to do the right thing But with the wrong motivation and attitude. Like when you have to do something, you don't really want to do it, but you do it anyway, but you don't do it with an attitude that shows you care and you don't enjoy it, no one else enjoys it and it certainly doesn't glorify God. We've all been there, haven't we? I think it's called the dishes, isn't it? Or, like John, we can complain. Whinge about what God is doing for other people and complain that he's not doing what I want. You know, where's my blessing i see joe down the road and look at all he's got where's mine or we can align our hearts with god's heart with god's missionary heart and work together and work hard to see god's purposes in our lives and in our church fulfilled see maybe we need god to send us a great wind you know to ripple our waters, to, to move us forward. Maybe we need God to send us a great fish to take us where he wants us. Maybe we need God to send us a worm to bite through our comfort zones. Maybe we need God to send us a scorching wind to fire us up so that we choose to die to ourselves and instead live for Christ and his purposes. So how are you going to respond today. I know that if you take the time right now, God will stir something within you. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he will bring something to mind. He will point out something to you that he wants you to change or wants you to do, wants you to take action. And so I think it's a good opportunity now today to do that. So let's ask him to bring something to our immediate attention now that he wants us to work on lord please speak to each one of us right now and bring to the front of our mind one thing that you want us to do one thing that you want us to deal with today maybe it's an area of pride maybe it's an area of habitual sin that he wants you to stop maybe it's a relationship he wants you to mend maybe it's to respond to what he has been calling you to do but you have been ignoring or procrastinating maybe it's something that you've been fleeing from maybe it's something that you have been doing with the wrong motivation or the wrong attitude well today is the day to start moving forward today is the day that God is sending a scorching wind to fire you up to fulfill his plans and purposes If God has been speaking to you today, if He has brought something to your attention and I believe that He's going to do that to each one of us here today, then don't wait any longer to deal with it. I want you to make a commitment today to follow through. Make a commitment today that you will do what He is calling you to do. And one way we can sort of signify that commitment is to do something physical today something that plants a seed that starts something new something small that God can use to grow a mighty work to see his plans and purposes fulfilled in our lives and that small seed to plant right now is to simply stand or raise a hand just do something physical and say yes God I will take action and do what you're calling me to do. And if that is you today, then as I pray in a moment, can I ask you to just stand up or just raise a hand where you are sitting today? Because this is between you and God. Let's pray. God, I ask that you send that worm to move us out of our comfort zones. God, I ask that you send that scorching wind to fire us up. God, send that fish to take us where you want us to be. God, send that mighty wind to move us forward. God, send us whatever it takes to get us to align your plans to ours. God, move us. God, fire us up. God, move us in the power of the Holy Spirit, take us where you want us and in the authority of Jesus Christ today, we say yes to you. Bless us as we respond in obedience to you today and may you take this seed of obedience that has been planted here today and grow a mighty work in the lives of each person here today. Amen.